0: Chapter twenty four of the Haunted Room by Charlotte Maria Tucker This Box recording is in the public domain Chapter twenty four A Mistake It will be remembered that Emmy had, in the morning, tried the patience of Bruce by her strange indecision regarding a second change of apartments. It was now no superstitious fancy which made Emmy look upon the room next to the haunted chamber as a post of peril she entertained a dread lest Harper should on some night omit his usual precautions, and that Bruce should discover the presence of his dangerous neighbor. What then might ensue? The spirited young man would never suffer himself to be tied by such an oath as his sister had taken, and of the consequences which might follow his refusal? Emmy trembled to think. It was this peril to Bruce which made Emmy regard a change of rooms as desirable on her brother's account though certainly not on her own it would be very dreadful to me to know that only a wall divided me from that wicked man who threatened my life thought poor Emmy, how could i rest if i heard him stealthily moving about so near even though aware that he could not possibly reach me had the maiden known that there was actually a door in that dividing wall her terror would have been yet greater but Emmy believed that the corridor entrance being bricked up there was no outlet from the haunted chamber but by the door which opened on the secret stairs. Ignorant as she was of the means of nearer communication between the two apartments, it was but the strain on her nerves that Emmy dreaded when suggesting her own return to the room, which had been assigned to her at the first. But this dread was so great that, as we have seen, Emmy could not in the morning summon up courage to press the arrangement on Bruce. She had wavered, hesitated, drawn back. But Emmy had learned much during the last painful hours. The effect which her uncle's warnings had failed to produce followed the solemn teachings of conscience by the widow's deathbed. Humbly and prayerfully Emmy now resolved to bend all her efforts to conquer mistrust, to subdue the opposition of shrinking nature, and obey God's will at however painful a cost. Emmy determined to brave Bruce's displeasure at her apparent inconsistency and folly. And returned to the hated room in which her danger would at any rate be less than that of her brother, but Emmy had on that evening no opportunity of carrying out her mission. Bruce returned to Mr Court at his usual hour, but looking and feeling so ill that he could not be troubled with anything in the way of household arrangements, he had one of the severe attacks of headache to which the young man was subject. "I shall not be with you at dinner to-day," said Bruce to his sister. Like a bear, I shall keep in my den and have my growl up by myself. I've my fire ready lit, my kettle on the hob, and my little tea-caddy on the table. I want nothing but quiet and rest, and shall be all right in the morning. Bruce was proverbially a bad patient, and would never submit to what he called coddling. Emmy knew that he now meant what he said, and that she should only annoy her brother by offering to sit beside him or bring him food which he would not touch. The brother and sister therefore bade each other good night and Bruce, taking a lighted candle, with slow step, mounted the staircase, then drew back the heavy tapestry curtain, and passed on to his own apartment. The fire blazed and crackled cheerily. Bruce, instead of going to rest at once, drew a chair in front of it, seated himself with his feet on the fender, and pressed his hot forehead with his hand, remained for some time in absolute stillness. He let his mind rest as well as his frame, not fatiguing it, by following out any definite chain of ideas. Thus young Trevor remained, till he heard from below the sound of the gong which summoned the family to dinner. About five minutes afterward, Bruce raised his head to listen to a different sound, much nearer to where he sat. It came from a place from whence he had never before heard the faintest noise. There was, he could not be mistaken, the voice of someone speaking in the haunted chamber bruce's sensation on hearing it was not that of fear scarcely even that of curiosity when once young trevor had taken an idea into his mind he was wont to hold it with a pertinacity which savored of obstinacy bruce was very slow to own even to himself that he had made a mistake the notion now in the young man's brain was that his giddy brother had determined to try his courage by playing on him some practical joke vibert's sudden proposal to go up to london bruce considered but an attempt to throw dust in his eyes and to put him off his guard and the elder brother smiled to himself at the idea of vibert's imagining that he really could take him in by so transparent an attempt at deception vibert is no more in london at this moment than i am had been the reflection of bruce he never thought of going thither till i casually let out that it is possible to enter the haunted chamber and now when a voice was heard in that chamber bruce but knitted his brow and muttered impatiently to himself could he not have kept his foolery for a better time i am in no mood for nonsense to-night another voice seemed to reply to the first both speaking in low tones and not distinctly enough for the import of their words to be understood by the listening bruce still his suspicions were not aroused for the power to mimic various tones was one of the f- accomplishments which added to vibert's popularity in ladies society then followed a creaking sound as of the winding of a wind-lens or the turning of the screw of a press this puzzled bruce and made him alter his first intention of simply locking the door of communication between the two rooms and so imprisoning the pseudo ghost till the morning young trevor of course knew nothing of the third door of the bricked-up chamber or the secret staircase beyond it i may as well put an end to this folly at once said bruce rising and looking around for some convenient weapon with which to chastise, or rather to alarm the disturber of his repose he took up his gun but did not attempt to load it why should he do so when he had no intention of startling the household and frightening his sister by the sudden report of firearms vibert would not be able to tell by a glance whether the gun were or were not loaded the object of bruce was to frighten but not to injure his brother the next thing to be done was to get the door-key which bruce had left on his mantelpiece he scarcely expected to find it there still, but there it was. Vibert must have taken the precaution of replacing after using it, thought Bruce, as he took up the key, and he has been artful enough to leave my map still hanging up over the panel door. Very softly, Bruce now lifted off the large varnished map from its nail and laid it down on the floor. His object was, by his sudden appearance with his gun, to startle his brother. Noiselessly, Bruce turned the key in the lock, noiselessly pushed open the door on the panel, then suddenly sprang into the lighted chamber with a loud exclamation of, Ha! I have caught you at it! To Bruce's amazement as well as their own, he found himself confronted by Harper and Colonel Standish. It is not to be denied that on his sudden recognition of these night visitors, whom naught but an evil purpose could have brought to that place, to the heart of the youth the life-blood thrilled with a sudden start. But Harper had no human girl to deal with. Raising his unloaded gun so as to cover now the one man than the other, Bruce, in a loud voice, demanded, "'Villains, what do ye hear?' Seizing the instant when the gun was pointed at his companion, Standish made a dart forward and struck up the arm of Bruce. In another moment the two were locked in a deadly grapple. Even then Bruce Trevor retained his presence of mind. Wrestling and struggling as he was, with a hand stronger than his own griping at his throat and stifling the cry of, robber's help which would have burst from his lips burst at his utmost to back through the doorway into his room could he but reach his bell-rope he could bring his father and the servant to his assistance and so overcome and perhaps capture his assailants but in vain the young man struggled and strained every muscle in his frame too closely grappled with by standish to be able even to strike with the butt-end of his gun the strength of bruce was failing though not his courage the odds were too heavy against him while standish with throttling grasp was pinning him against the wall harper with some heavy instrument came and struck the youth on the head bruce saw no more felt no more than the one sharp pang of the blow he fell heavily on the floor at the mercy of the ruffians whose lurking-place he had on that night discovered in the meantime the master of mist court was calmly slipping his claret and telling to his daughter amusing stories of old adventures all unconscious of the fearful scene going on within the walls of his own dwelling end of chapter 24